This episode is brought to you by Sparktress, connecting your story with your audience. Hello and welcome to Cuadros' Corner. My name's Carlos, and I'm an avid lover of film, stories, and conversations. Today, I sat down and talked to my dad, Ricardo Mata, about his story. As a young child who developed type 1 diabetes, had to overcome language barriers, was overworked and underpaid, and most recently suffered a retinal detachment, he has quite a tale to share with us. Now, before we begin, please do me a favor and tell your friends to subscribe to this podcast. Your support and word of mouth will help in bringing you more stories and growing this podcast. Now, without further ado, let's begin. What is retinal detachment? Did I say it right? Retinal, yes. It's the, the, the retina is the part of the eye that, that transfers all the images that you see yes. into your brains through the nerve systems. And that's, that's how you see. Your brain registers all those images and, and, and sees what you, what, you, what, you, what you see, you know? But that's, that's a very crucial part of, of the eye. Uh, without it, you're pretty much blind. So you, you're uh, completely blind, or what's your situation? Uh, from my left eye, I think the doctor said it's like 10%. I mean, that one is pretty much gone. It's, mm -hmm. it's, been, it's been through, through a lot, a lot of surgeries, and, and, uh, and that was the first one that, 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 uh, that I had all kinds of uh, surgeries, uh, the gas bubble, the silicone layer, the every <laughs> uh, surgery that's to be done, they, they did it on my left eye and, and they could not recuperate. recuperate it or save it, you know. And then my right eye is the one that I was using to, to do everything. And I got accustomed to, to live with it, to work with it and, and to, to continue doing what, 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 I, what I was what I used to do, you know, doing designs, uh, work on the computer, drive, you know, the, doing everything. So I felt pretty, pretty comfortable doing everything until the right one started going towards the same, yeah. same situation. And right now what I'm working towards is, is to get my clarity. That's what I need. It's, it's, I can see everything, but it's, a layer of haziness. Like when you're like when you're in the restroom and the hot water and the mirror is all foggy, kind of like that. That's how you see. Well, and I don't see completely fog mirror, but I when it starts to clear up, yeah. when it's clearing up, and it's kind of you can kind of tell, you know, what you're, you you can pretty much see your face, right? But it's not clear clearly, mm -hmm. you know. It's 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 a uh, that's where I am. Yeah. Or, or it starts clearing out. So that's what I'm saying. I need a little more, you know, and, and Dr. Gonzalez has been doing a great job, you know, just doing those uh, laser treatments. So it's a, it's a continuous process? It's a long process, yes, because I'm, I'm type 1 diabetic, and, and that, that process it's, takes twice as long because my, my body takes twice as long to heal, yes. to regenerate the tissue, in my eyes, my redness, and all that. So, so that's why it's a, it's a long, it's a long process. You mentioned type one diabetic. 
Um, what are the differences, the different type of diabetics? So just so that people are aware of the differences. Or I guess people become type one when, when they're young, which is my case. When I was 13, I was, uh, I, I, I pretty much went into coma for two days. I was gone for two, for two days and when I came back, when I came out of that coma, uh, I still stayed at the hospital where, where I was at mm -hmm. in Reynosa, in Mexico, and they still kept me there for a good 30 days or so, mm -hmm. just, just giving me the training, the, the education, how to, how to inject myself. You know, back, you know, back then I, I used to, you used to inject yourself. Mm -hmm. Now there's the insulin pump and there's other devices that, that helps you with, with, with that, you know, that makes it a little more convenient. But, uh, but yeah, that's the type one, where you, where you, where your pancreas does not produce any insulin. It produces zero. So, so you have to uh, put it in, you know, via the, the syringe. Mm -hmm. And type two, those are the guys that, that their pancreas produces some percentage. So you mentioned uh, that you were 13 when you got into a coma. Um, can you talk a little bit about your, your childhood? How did you grow up? Uh, what do you remember most? And how did you happen to get into a coma in the first place? Well, it started from, from, from many years before that. Uh, I was always sick, you know, I had, I had a cold and, you know, I had many, my dad took me to all the doctors there in Reynosa and they were saying, oh, the, his heart is too small or his lungs are not strong enough or, you know, it's just so many, you know, nobody could find out what was really wrong with me. They were just kept on uh, coming up with, with, with things, you know, yeah. and, and, and you see that even here in the States nowadays, they, they, you go to see the doctor and they give you something for your symptoms mm -hmm. that's gonna cure the symptom, but it's not gonna cure your disease. Yeah. So that's something very, very wrong with, with the current uh, medical industry, that yeah. they wanna keep you just barely alive to, so you can continue buying that medicine, medication, or whatever it is that you're taking. Right. So, uh, but yeah, so, so it started, it started uh, from very young, you know, from when I was in elementary, you know, I was always sick and this and that. And, and till we got to that point where, where I remember the last doctor that, that, that my dad took me to, he was one of those military doctors that, that gave you like a little, like a little per pearls, you know, like little, little round pills, mm -hmm. but they're, uh, I think they're homogenic or something like that, natural, natural stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, after that, when I, when I got really sick at, at home, I was at home and I just, I was, I lost conscience. Mm -hmm. So I guess I started going into that, that coma because I don't remember them taking me to the hospital mm -hmm. and I don't remember nothing. For those two days, I don't remember nothing. So till I woke up at the hospital yeah. and uh, you know, with all the stuff on, on myself and stuff, but uh, from there, you know, I came out of that coma and I was still there for another 30 days, yeah. just just getting the, the the education, the training to 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 live as a diabetic. 
what about uh, high school? How was that? How how was your experience? Well, uh, high school was good. It was it was uh, again it was in Mexico. I actually wanted to go to the Tecnológico. So so that's I was already uh, heading there. But then I started thinking, you know, when I graduated from 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 high school from La Prepa, yeah. I started thinking and said, man, I, I think I need to start going to the to the United because I started working. I started working on this side. What did you do? Uh, I used to work at the country club. Country club. I started. I started shining shoes there. Oh wow! That was my job, and I mean, I wasn't getting paid for that. It was just, you know, they would give me twenty, thirty dollars. Tips. Yeah, like tips. But uh, that's how I started, and then I started helping out, you know, busing tables and helping out, prepare for for parties, you know, big parties, and setting up. You know the tables or the tablecloths and the chairs, and I started helping them out, and they saw that I was there, always uh, helping everybody out, mm -hmm. and and with no with no no compensation. So they said, "Hey, no, no, we're going to bring you in." I mean, I think we we think you deserve it. You earned it. Yeah. So so yeah. So uh, so you this is when you were like in high school, right? It was well. That's that's the other thing when I graduated from high school in Mexico, I came over here, and they put me back on, on ninth grade. How old were you? I was 17. Oh, okay, so you're about to almost graduate. I had already graduated, but they put me back on ninth grade because I, I was coming over from Mexico. From Mexico, but my math teacher, she was teaching uh, trigonometry, mm -hmm. and I had already been taking differential equations in Mexico, so that was, was like Piece of cake. So piece of cake, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, the, and she could tell. She could, she could see that that I knew everything. I says, man, you you don't. What do you want to do? I said, no. I mean, I, I want to go to college. You know, get a, get a get a degree. And I says, well, you don't need to spend your time. I mean, you you don't need to spend another four years. You know everything. You yeah. you do need to practice your 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 English, because that was I was that was lacking on on that on fluency and punctuation and you know just my vocabulary wasn't as, as you know as extensive mm -hmm. because I knew the basics they teach you the basics you know mm -hmm. which the apple is on the table but nothing uh, that you can extend the conversation and elaborate on it yeah. you know so, so that's what I was doing there in high school and I was only there for one year the first semester I was taking the classes and that's when my math teacher because she was a counselor too. Mm -hmm. She said, just take your GED and then you go straight into, into college. That's all you need. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, that's, that's what you, you don't need to be spending your time here because you're not learning much. I mean, you're, you, you already know everything. Yeah. You do need to uh, practice your English, but I mean, you can do that anywhere, anytime, you know? And, and I took her, her, her advice. So then you, you decide to go to college, and what did you study? What was your degree? Well, this is this is what happened. Before I even started my 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 my, my degree plan, I had to go and kind of polish my my English. Yeah. Because in high school I didn't learn much. I mean, yeah. it was it was again basic, you know, basic stuff. I mean, but I, I didn't get much much of it there, you know. Mm -hmm. As far as my English, I mean, I would get breakfast and lunch. I mean, but other than that, I mean, I wasn't really learning much. What about what about the students there? Would they? 
um, talk to you in, in English or Spanish? Or uh, most of it, yeah, they were bilingual, but they they knew that they knew the language because they grew up, they were raised on this side. So, so yeah, on this side. So, so they they knew that the, the language, you know. And of course, they would always talk in Spanish to me because they knew that I had just come over. So then you um, you you practice English. And then what happens? I got, I got my GED and I go and register for the ELI, the English Language Institute. Mm -hmm. I think it's still there. I'm not sure if, it's, if it still exists, but uh, that, was, that, was, uh, that was intensive, intensive English from 7 to 3.30 that you get out. It's mm -hmm. all English. And, and uh, but also that's hardcore. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, you know, English, vocabulary, reading, writing. Mm -hmm. uh, they even show you videos or stories and you needed to to summarize what you heard to see if you caught everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, that, that helped me out a lot. So after you graduated um, and uh, you got your electric, electrical engineering degree, what did you do? Well, the first company that called me was uh, Flint Energy which was a no-fail company. So how did, they, how did they call you? I applied everywhere, and they were the first ones that called me. It's one of the biggest companies in Canada, Canada. but they were here in, in, in Mission, yeah. and they were the first ones that, that uh, interviewed me and, and, uh, and picked me, you know, gave me, the, gave me the job. And I think I interviewed in November, somewhere, somewhere before the, mm -hmm. it might have been in October, but they said, okay, well, you're gonna start with us at the beginning of the year, are you okay with that? And I said, no, that's fine. I mean, that way it gets, gives me time to, to uh, you know, lighten down my stuff and, and get ready. And yeah. then uh, two years or so later, I was already running jobs on my own. And by running jobs, what do you mean? By doing the supervision of it. Mm -hmm. Like the last jobs that we did, I spent the last nine months with Flynn, I was in El Paso, oh, and wow. uh, and uh, I was there running the job as a supervisor. I was there doing project management, doing the, all the isometrics, all the ass builds. I was doing that. I was also being safety, safety person. So I was wearing like four different hats. And uh, I talked to my boss and he said, hey, uh, uh, I think I need to get some kind of compensation, man. I'm doing, I'm wearing many hats over here that you're saving, you know, you're saving a lot. So, so I need to, to get something, you know, in return. And he says, oh, you're fine, you, you, you'll be okay. And I said, okay, well, you, you'll find my resignation letter in your email. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, you, you won't quit. And I said, okay. I left it like that, and like a week later, I draft out a, an email and send it over, and he couldn't believe it. And he said, oh, where are you going to go, and who's going to hire you? And I said, oh, man, I got like three different offers already. So then you're working uh, for Flint, and uh, your boss doesn't want to give you a raise because you were wearing many hats. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that you got three offers. So then what happens? You send in your resignation, and then? My, my ex-boss uh, told me that to come home, that I was done. I said, okay, but I, I think I still have another week. He said, no, you're, you're done. Just come home. 
Okay, so I came home on a drove on a Thursday, on a Friday. Mm -hmm. That was that happened on Thursday. On Friday I drove. That was an 11-hour drive, and then on Saturday morning I went to the yard in Mission and turned in my truck and the tools and all the stuff that I had, the equipment I had, and and John uh, gave me a, a ride to the H&S yard, which was your new your new uh, employment. And I picked up my my truck and my phone from there. And I say I didn't miss a step, you know. I, I I resigned on Saturday, and on Monday I was already working at six in the morning. Wow. I was already, and he felt he didn't feel like a like a a new job because I knew everybody. All the crews, there were crews that I had worked with in in Flint, so that was kind of nice, you know. I didn't feel that the the change other than the name, you know, company name. So uh, you mentioned that your boss was making you wear all these hats, but he didn't value uh, what you were bringing to the table. How was this new experience now at this new job? Uh, this other uh, at H&S, it was, it was fun. It was very good. Again, he came in with, with a lot of challenges. You know, we, we did uh, designs uh, for, for uh, tank containment facilities and uh, which, as a matter of fact, they used my design to 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 do theirs. Autobahn called me, and they wanted to to use my design, oh. and uh, and that was a good that was a good good time there because I mean it was here, it was here at home, and and then after that, after the year and a half, we started going out to the to the field and and to pick up the red lines to any changes on the fabrication on the design. I would have to document it and, and, and send it in. So, and that's, that's kind of what, what happened there. And then from there, I got, I got put on uh, the Asherton Yard as, as, as an operations manager. So um, you become an operations manager, and we're gonna fast forward here a bit because you eventually got let go um, because of your retinal uh, problem, right? Yeah, because of my, my vision limitation, you know, because I couldn't really go out to the fields and supervise jobs because I, I couldn't walk on the field when there's you know, a lot of piping, a lot of equipment, and, and, and just because it, uh, it wasn't as clear as it is now. I mean, right now it's still hazy, but it's, it's, uh, it's better than, than what it was. So if you were to summarize your experience with H&S, how would you describe that? No, I mean, it was good. It was a good, good run. I had a lot of fun. I learned, learned a lot. And I was given a lot of uh, opportunities, mm -hmm. you know. Of course, there were higher responsibility, you know. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of hours, and, and a lot of responsibility, but, but I was given the opportunity to show that I could, that mm -hmm. I could do it, and and I did it, and 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 therefore I think he, that's why he decided to give me that position as a, as the operations manager out of that yard in Asherton. You were talking about um, that has been a, a challenging uh, few years for you. What has been uh, the biggest challenge for you? Well, the the biggest uh, challenge for me is 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 this living like this with a visual limitation i mean it's it's your eyes is everything you know we 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 don't take into account what what we have you know 
And, and that's everyone. I mean, you never hear people taking care of their eyes. They take care of their heart or their, you know, circulation, liver, the you know, kidneys. But you never hear people, you know, looking into their eyes. You know, how can I take care of my eyes, you know? Have you, have you done more research regarding this topic of how to take care of your eyes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing exercises. Uh, I'm doing respiration exercises. I'm doing meditation. I'm praying every day. I mean, I'm doing everything I can to, to regain my, my, my clarity. Does getting your clarity, is that, is that your motivation right now? Mm, yeah, I mean, that's something that I, that I would feel a lot better with. Yeah, but I mean, motivation, it's, it's, uh, it kind of changes mm-hmm. throughout your, your life. The motivation that you had when you were in high school is probably not the same motivation that you have now, that you're already graduated, that you're already working. It changes, you know, and, and it's, that's life. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 you grow, you learn, you... you, you uh, have family and, and your motivation, your goals change a little bit, you know? And that's, that's actually one, one, one regret I have by the, that I could not spend as much time with, with, with you and, and Ricky mm-hmm. as, as I could have if I was around, you know? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's, that's the way it is, you know? If you want to move up, you need to travel. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty much on every field. In every industry, if you want to get a uh, better pay, a higher position, you know, a better opportunity, you need to put in the work. Trouble, you know, put in the, the, the getting outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. And, and that's what I always did, you know. But now that I, that I think about all those years, all the, that hard work, I mean, what for, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I'm back home, and you know, thank God that that, that you and Ricky are here, and that, that you are motivated, that you are uh, looking for for something. You know, you have dreams and, and and goals, and and that's 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 motivation to for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, your mom motivates me a lot too. She pushes me mm-hmm. to 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 get to get better. You know, because mm-hmm. I want to get better. You know, I want to be useful. You know, so. So yeah, that's that's my motivation. Um, is there any last uh, things that you might want to say to the to the people watching? Any any last words? Your camera is over here. Take care of yourselves. You know, you, you have only one body, one heart. Take care of it. You know. Uh, don't wait until you're in pain until some something is hurting until you have a chronic, you know, disease to, to actually reflect on what you should do. Uh, I'm a living example, you know. Uh, that's what I would recommend to everyone listening, to take care of yourselves and to do it while you are still healthy in one piece. Thank you for listening, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting app and get stories just like these every time. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor by either sharing or reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcasts. 
It will help grow the podcast and make future episodes that much better. If you have any questions for me or my guest, head on over to my Instagram at Carlos J. Cuadros and ask away. That's C-A-R-L-O-S-J-C-U-A-D-R-O-S. If you would like to support the show, please consider sending a donation to Carlos J. Cuadros on Cash App. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching.